the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is Saturday morning. Good Saturday morning to you. Uh, I, I would like to ask something special right now. Uh, could I could I please have everyone rise? Would everyone please rise? Take off your your hats. Could you please remove your hats? Uh, I need everyone to please stand. Remove your hats. Dallas, I'm I'm talking to you too. Clint, Robert. Once in a while, a please story- rise. Okay, do we do we have everybody standing? Can I get a confirmation, please, Robert? We're all standing. All right, everyone's standing. Uh, put your put your hand over your heart and join me. I I would like to start the show this way, pretty much every day. Attention, Walmart shoppers. <laughs> oh, can you see by the dawn's early light? What so proudly we hear at the twilight's last gleam, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streamed. Amazing, right? Amazing. <laughs> I know it's a little different way to start your show. And if if you've got the stereo on at home <laughs> or the radio via the internet on at home, uh, apologize to the rest of the family who might be sleeping. That actually happened at a Walmart in uh, Missouri, or as I should say, Missouri. Uh, this guy, James Fruits, is from Cleveland, Ohio. He is suddenly thrust into the national spotlight because of this visit to Walmart. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Fruits was was in the aisle by the by the uh, the flags, and he started singing. You know, a buddy has dared him to sing, and he started singing. Well, one of the managers at Walmart went, "Hold on a second here, I double dog dare you to come on over to the." the loudspeaker at the courtesy desk and let's let's give the Walmart shoppers a little treat and he did and wow what a great <laughs> what a great rendition of the national anthem now he he happened to be vacationing with his family he's from Cleveland actually but the guy the guy is uh no stranger to singing as you as you might expect uh he was he was <laughs> 
It's just so wonderful because you see him and he's sleeveless. I'll tweet out a link to this so you can play it. I might play it to wrap up the show, too, because it's just it's just too good. But uh, James Fruits works as a creative arts administrator for his church. He's a DJ and he also performs at weddings on weekends. So bravo to you, James Fruits. Uh, what an amazing way. Uh, how about that for a little inspiration to start your Saturday morning on the Blaze Radio Network? Ah, I know. I needed that. I played it twice before the show. I think I think the crew in Dallas, by the way, everyone can sit down. <laughs> everyone can, can, can sit down now and put your caps back on. Uh, but... Uh, I was torturing the crew in Dallas with it as as they listen in on what I'm trying to cut up here in the constitutionally protected free speech bunker in the woods of Arden, Delaware. But uh, James Fruits, thank you for opening the program today. Uh, it, it's I, I guarantee you this guy's going to get a lot of love and a lot of attention on this. And again, as I said, I, I'm retweeting that right now. Uh, play this loudly <laughs> and and you should what I always get a little emotional when I play the national anthem my wife's always saying are you do you have tears in your eyes yes I do that that song is more than a song it is truly an anthem and something that you know you should roll down the windows and play it loudly Play it absolutely loudly. So, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you want to join the conversation today, uh, Robert's pushing buttons and uh, Clint is answering the phone. So, you are welcome to get a hold of the program on any level. I'm still working on today's vital question. I have to, I have to wrap my head around it. I'm, I'm chipping away at it. But uh, today's vital question will be will be going up shortly, and you can weigh in on it. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. In terms of yesterday, when we asked you uh, about uh, the president complimenting the first lady of France, Brigitte Macron, on her physical appearance, there were many people outraged. Uh, I have friends, I posted this on Facebook as well, and I have friends from my past that I haven't seen in, in, in some cases, 30 years who have lost their minds over this. But most right-thinking people, like yourselves, 88% of those who responded, a decent sample, uh, said uh, they were not offended. 8% couldn't decide, couldn't figure it out, and 4% were outraged. And I really think it's that 4% that I get nervous about because they absolutely, they, they make a lot of noise. They make a whole lot of noise. Today, of course, we're going to tap into the headlines and the news and talk about what made Shepard Smith flip out because I'm kind of with them on this. Uh, and, and we've got other things going on here. Uh, if you were around at the end of yesterday's show, at three o'clock Eastern, you heard me. You probably heard me talk about the uh, four young men in Pennsylvania, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, who are now gone, who are now dead, and um, the the prime suspect and his cousin are in custody in the murders of these four men. Four men who went to 
who went to the home of this this Donardo character in an effort to purchase some pot. And the the whole deal went wrong. And Donardo ended up shooting all of them in the back of the head and then uh, burning their bodies and burying the remains in a 12 and a half foot deep mass grave, pouring concrete over it and then trying to get away with it. Now, the cousin's arrest was a late breaking story. It doesn't diminish or increase the tragedy. I don't think you can make this any more tragic than it is. I guess it increases it because it means one more life is destroyed now that the cousin's involved. But we have, we have four young men who, uh, for their interest in, in um, getting their hands on some drugs, but for that, they probably would have been around today. But now they aren't. And Donardo reportedly confessed in, in, uh, in exchange for no death penalty. And I'm, I'm one of those people who wants to be compassionate. And uh, I also want us, I, I, I don't get the compassion to keep these folks in comfortable living while their victims and their families will suffer for the rest of their lives. The victims are gone and the families will suffer. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand the, the, the cost and the, the guarantee of, of uh, prison with a roof over your head, three square meals. Of course, it's not going to be great food. The access to cable TV, which must be provided Apparently, otherwise, it's cruel and unjust punishment. I've said in in many places on different radio shows when engaged in in the debate about capital punishment that I I favor some sort of uh, survivor type situation where we we will build a minimal shelter and provide you with with survival food in an airdrop once a month. And really, that's about it. Uh, I'm. I know, I, I know. And yes, uh, it would be in an island that is surrounded by shark-infested waters. So um, maybe I'm a bad guy for that. But, but that's, um, that's kind of the, where I'm at today, especially being in the area where the story of these four young men consumed the local news media for the past week. The, the family uh, blocking any attempts to really share information. The only way they caught this guy, apparently, is, um, is because uh, he tried to sell the car of one of the young men he killed. And they caught him on that, and that's the way they held him. But for that, he might have been off running away somewhere. So, Mr. DiNardo, um, you're probably guaranteed to rot in jail. I would prefer you get your opportunity to burn in hell quicker. And if that makes me a bad guy, then so be it. I just, I just can't imagine what those families are going through today. Um, it, it is the Ides of July, by the way. We are here on the 15th of July. Uh, we'll look a, a little bit at history today. Take a quick peek into anything big that happened. It's been a, a pretty historic week here in, in the present. I think you can agree. And uh, over in England, at the end of this show... I know you're going to listen to the Jeff Fisher program starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, as, as you should every single week. 
But I encourage you to try and watch history with the sound off as um, as our American tennis champion Venus Williams attempts to make history as the oldest person to ever win the uh, women's title. And I really hope it happens for her that that uh, that challenge that Venus has overcome with her um, her fight against uh, fatigue is just amazing. And the fact that in the course of getting to the finals today against Garabina Muguruza, which is how you pronounce the Spaniard's name, she has the um, she has the Castilian pronunciation, Garabina Muguruza, uh, against uh, Muguruza in, in getting to this point, to the finals, which will start 9 o'clock Eastern today. She beat three women who were born the year she made her first Wimbledon appearance. You got that? That Wrap your head around that. Venus Williams, at 37 years old, beat three professional tennis players who were born the exact same year. <laughs> the exact same year <laughs> she first made her Wimbledon appearance. So um, I, I am pulling for I'm pulling for America today. I'm pulling for uh, a 37 year old who's considered old in her field. But I think is uh, let, let's face it, aside from the unfortunate car accident for which she has been exonerated or at least cleared from wrong behavior. Uh, aside from that, the Williams family is pretty much a great example and they are they are just strong and and solid people. You never hear anything bad coming out of the life of Venus Williams. She's not out catting around. She's not out uh, partying and drink. She's not at the club, I guess I would say. So we'll get into that. But uh, I will make uh, repeated pushes and reminders for you as you listen to Jeff Fisher to watch the uh, women's finals at Wimbledon. And it is, oh, there's things we have to get to today. We got to talk health care. We have to talk some silly stuff. We, we, have to, um, we have to deal with the meeting, which will come up. And I'm still grinding on this, uh, this vital question today. And maybe, maybe it's just there isn't a vital question today. So if you want to join the conversation, it's, it's pretty much a free-for-all Saturday, as it was yesterday, a free-for-all Friday. 888-900-3393, Let's take a break. Good morning. It is uh, Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It, it's uh, it's going to be a strange day. I've already come to accept that. It, it's going to be a very strange day. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know if I can give you uh, a lot of uh, update 
on on normal stuff. Yes, there are some normal stories I will get to, but it's I'm just accepting it's going to be a strange day. I'm going through some of the crazy stories that are popping around my computer. I get I get stories submitted to me from all over the place. From uh, from locally, from our our buddies in Australia, uh, from from folks in uh, England, our our pal Simon Owen from London who checks in. He's in Paris most of this week, but uh, all kinds of stories. For example. Um, a friend sent me a story that currently is on the Hill that um, almost 3,500 Colorado voters um, canceled their registration. Hmm. Why would you cancel your voter registration? Well, they're claiming that this is over the Trump administration's voter fraud commission asking for public information on citizens. Now, I'm all for protecting the vote. I'm all for safeguarding what I consider to be one of the greatest things about our nation, and that it's your right to participate in, the, um, in, the, in our democracy, in our democratic republic, in, in our selection of those who do our bidding in local or national levels. So um, when the Trump administration put out this notice that they were going to ask for party registrations, all, all the information that they want, the voter data stuff, I'm, I'm not happy about that. I think, I think the states who said no are, are very smart. But I, I have to trust in the state is going to protect um, my voter registration and my information. I have to. I have to trust. There's so much out there about all of us anyway. People can find out things all the time. Um, I, I constantly reference the fact that I was part of the the DNC hack, and my name and phone number, my cell phone number, was published. Thank you, WikiLeaks, because I had reached out to a member of the Clinton campaign. And her email to John Podesta then got posted via the WikiLeaks. Thank you. So I'm aware that information is out there. But I don't need my government participating in the information grab, which is why I was all, always so upset about what happened with, um, with the NSA during the Obama administration, which is why I tend to side with Rand Paul on a lot of things, because he protects our our papers, as it were. But the fact that almost 3,500 Colorado voters canceled their registration over this, I'm sure, I guess you can re-register. But you're, if you're canceling your voter registration over this, don't you think they already have that? <laughs> isn't that? Isn't that kind of like closing the barn door after the horse is out? You're not going to go in and scrub any of the records held in D.C. So maybe it just made you feel better. Maybe you just say, uh, I'm, I'm doing this as a protest. I know it's not doing anything. But I guess it's kind of like wetting your pants in a blue suit. Makes you feel all warm. Nobody else can really notice it. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. A bunch of uh, crazy stories popping up. I was just just checking out the, uh, the story out of Lamarck, Texas. Lamarck is a little bitty town, I think between Houston and Galveston, if memory serves me correct, right there off. I-45, home to the Lamarck Gators. (laughs) I knew somebody went to high school in Lamarck, Texas. Um, And there there was a a freight train stopped. And an SUV, early in the morning, like 2.30 this morning, an SUV hit the train. Now, how do you hit a stop train? I guess someone's not paying attention. And there were people inside, and the SUV was kind of stuck, wedged under one of those those um, cylindrical tanker cars and the cops were trying to help the people out. They were trapped inside, obviously freaked out. And I think they were getting ready to try and break a window when the train started moving and started dragging the car. Now it, it takes a lot to move a giant freight train. and It takes a lot to stop a giant freight train. And the, uh, the, the chest camera, the body cam of this officer captured the whole thing. It, it's pretty remarkable. I will, I will post a link to that video so you can see it. But wow, when you think about what cops do every single day, every single day, just, just put that in your mind, what, what police officers do, men and women in uniform, it, it is, they never know, which is why I'm so addicted to that show, uh, Live PD, which is on A&E from 9 to midnight. Fridays and Saturday nights. I tried to get through all of it last night, but I was, I, I get up here at 4.30 in the mornings on Saturday to get ready for this show. Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like you're up an hour and a half, but I am. But uh, Live PD, you have to check it out because you it really gives you uh, sort of a, a view of, of what's going on and what these folks face. And last night they also had the officer... The two officers who were on the scene a week ago when the car rolled over and the the criminal got out and tried to use a baby as a human shield to keep the cops at bay. And these two officers who dealt with him, the one specifically who had to wrestle him to the ground and then wait about a minute and a half, a harrowing minute or two while he was wrestling this guy, uh, you could actually see in his eyes. And in, hear it in his voice, what he was feeling. If you want to follow it, you should check out Live PD. Uh, there's a hashtag Live PD, which you can see on Twitter. And they regularly post uh, clips from the shows. Because it's, it's usually DUI arrests and some crazy stuff. But whenever they stop somebody for a broken headlight or a taillight that's out. or Last night there was a guy that didn't even have a bumper on the front of his car. And he had been stopped uh something like 45 times in the last in the last few years 45 times 
And the cop actually kind of gave him a break. He knew the cop by name when he pulled up. He said, yeah, you stopped me a couple weeks ago. So I am blatantly promoting a live PD. Hashtag live PD if you want to see what's going on. And if you want to fully understand, as this videotape shows from, uh, from uh, last night in Lamarck, Texas, what, what, they, what the men and women of law enforcement face on every single shift it, it really makes you um, sit in awe of these people. So uh, la- last night's episode on Live PD and this episode in Lamarck, Texas, which isn't on the show, uh, you have to check it out. I- I'll-, I'll give you, I'll give you a, um, a clip in a little bit because there's some clips that are floating out there. Um, now, I-, I guess we have to get into this discussion of this, uh, this meeting. It's been a week since we heard about a meeting between Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, Jared Kushner, and what we were told was a, a lawyer who wanted to talk about Russian adoption. And, um, and initially, it seemed kind of harmless. Granted, I, I was a little nervous about the fact that this meeting took place a year ago in the middle of the campaign, as Donald Trump was about to be named, about to win the nomination for the GOP. And then we heard it was about adoption, that's all. And it seemed like, okay, let it go. And then we heard, well, maybe it wasn't quite about adoption. They told us they had some information on Hillary Clinton. And I was like, all right, I, I would have been interested if I were in Donald Trump Jr.'s shoes, totally honest. I would have said, hey, Paul Manafort, I got these people calling me saying they have dirt on Hillary Clinton. Who are they? Well, it's a, a Russian attorney. Uh, if Manafort truly was the campaign chairman and truly playing by the rules, he would have said, hold on a second, foreign government we can't collude with a foreign government. Yes, I use the word collude. And even if you're not colluding, it's bad optics to take that meeting without a representative from the FBI. Just bad optics. And then it came out that, yes, in fact, the woman happened to be a lawyer who was representing or had ties to this Soviet, or the Russian government. Now we're into the third stage of this. And then as we found out yesterday after the president said his son is a good boy and very transparent, he's proud of his transparency, now we're into the stage where we have learned, oh my God, there were not four people in that room. There were as many as eight people in that room and who knows if there were more. I, I, I throw my hands in the air. I throw my hands in the air because... Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over the obfuscation. I would be as mad, if not madder, at Democrats uh, over this. And I just want, I just want the truth. I just want the answers. I just want honesty. I just want somebody to say, as, as Glenn Beck detailed, what was it, Wednesday, when he said, here's what Donald Trump should do. He should get his son in the room. He should get Manafort in the room. He should get everybody in the room, sit him down and say, Here's what we know about Russia. And let's stop making jokes about Russian dressing 
and about chicken Kiev, which I know I made that joke last night. And let's just put it out there. And if it's a problem, you're going to have to deal with it because you have now officially succumbed to the dreams and the wishes of every Democrat who opposed you. You have now, you have now uh, effectively, in my opinion, you've almost nullified the results of the election. And you've put at risk the next phase. You've put at risk 2018 and 2020. And what is my evidence on this? Go to your town halls. See what's happening. Understand that this administration is stabbing itself in the neck every damn day. And it's just, it is, it is such fodder for everyone who thinks that we're, we're ignorant and, and un, uninterested in fixing the country. And there's more to this, too. But this is, this is so frustrating to me, and I'm sure it's frustrating to you, because what you wanted, you wanted the president to win. You wanted the president to be able to work with the Congress. You wanted health care fixed. You wanted tax reform. You wanted more conservative Supreme Court justices. You wanted all of that. You wanted regulation reform. And now where are we? We're down to, at this point, I, I truly believe this. If this does not get straightened out before September 1st, if this does not get dealt with and cleared up, yes, the investigation from Robert Mueller is going to go on for probably another 6 to 12 months. But if you don't straighten this out and get this issue put to bed by September 1st, by, by Labor Day, basically, I think you've surrendered 2018 and maybe 2020 because every single member of the GOP is now going to be painted with the broad brush of this Russian scandal. And everybody, everybody say, well, Hillary, Hillary didn't win. Hillary lost. And in the minds of so many angry Democrats, they will have to avenge that loss in 2018 and vengeance is a very powerful emotion i'll give you more proof on that and um also play you a meltdown over this i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of in the same place that shepherd smith got to yesterday and if you missed it it's so big msnbc is playing it i'll share it with you after the break michael pelka i'm puro pelka let's roll you're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, the Saturday edition of the Blaze Radio Network, which includes uh, all new episodes of the Jeff Fisher program immediately following this show. And I have recommended, and I will continue to recommend, you listen to Jeff Fisher as you watch Wimbledon 
with the sound down. Because, who, frankly, who wants to hear all that grunting? You can hear grunting from Jeffy, and it's, it's much more entertaining. But uh, our, our own American Venus Williams is going for a, a record. She will be the oldest woman to win a Wimbledon title. And uh, playing against uh, a woman who I think is like 13 years her junior. Her junior. And um, for the record, Garabinia Muguruza. Yes, I prefer the Castilian pronunciation on Spanish. But uh, watch Wimbledon, mute the sound, listen to Jeffy. You will have the complete experience of Saturday and root for America. That's a, kind of a good, a good idea. Root for America. There are people who are giving me a hard time about this Donald Trump thing in the meeting and Donald Trump Jr. You don't want America to succeed. I actually had uh, a friend who's, a ne- who's an always Trumper tell me, you don't want America to be great again. I want America to be great every damn day of my life. But it requires a little honesty. It requires some unvarnished question and answer. So, sorry, but I do want America to be great again. I voted for Donald Trump. I would vote for him again over Hillary Clinton. I would vote for a blender over Hillary Clinton. But that's neither here nor there. We're, we were talking about the fact that Shepard Smith and I actually agree on this Donald Trump Jr. meeting with the Russians fiasco that has now expanded, that is now in its seventh day, that is now headed to uh, God knows where. We'll have to find out. But uh, yesterday, speaking with Chris Wallace on Fox, Shep Smith kind of went off the reservation, as many would probably say, in, um, in the land of Fox News. Check this out. Mm. And who knows if, we're, if we've gotten to the end of the story. We, we thought we I, got to the end of the I story with the emails. Haven't. I now know we were- haven't, because there's news breaking at this moment, Chris. Okay. Fox News can now confirm new, more. Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, the lawyer from Russia, the interpreter, this new guy we found out about today, and a mystery person. John Roberts confirms there was an eighth person in that meeting. We don't know. There may have been more, but there was an eighth. Jared Kushner filled out his form. I think it's an F-86 saying who he'd met with and what he'd done. Very important stuff. You can go to prison for messing it up, you know, intentionally. He went back and added 100 names and places. None of these people made it. They're still not clean. We're still not clean on this, Chris. If there's nothing there, and that's what they tell us, they tell us there's nothing to this and nothing came of it. There's a nothing burger. It wasn't even memorable. Didn't write it down. Didn't tell you about it because it wasn't anything. So I didn't even remember it with a Russian interpreter in the room at Trump Tower. If all of that, why all these lies? Why, why is it lie after lie after lie? If you clean, come on clean, you know? My grandmother used to say, when first we practice to, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. The deception, Chris, is, is mind-boggling. And there are still people who out there who believe we're making it up. And one day they're going to realize we're not and look around and go, where are we? And why are we getting told all these lies? Where are we? And why are we getting told all these lies? If it's nothing, show us it's nothing. 
If it's nothing, come clean, as Shepard Smith would say. Bring it to us. Where do you stand on this? Are, are, you, are you still, you know, if you're a Trumper, which, I've, again, I voted for Trump. I'd vote for him today over Hillary Clinton. I would have preferred Ted Cruz. Would have preferred Rand Paul. Would have even maybe preferred Marco Rubio. But my choice was not that. So I, I want to know where you are. Phones are open. 888-900-3393. Are you with me or are you somewhere else? Don't be afraid. Share your opinion. 888-900-3393. We'll be right back. Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka Saturday morning. It is. Uh, it's a, a day that has me shaking my head many different places, many different times. Uh, we're, we just spent a, a considerable amount of time talking about the, the Don Jr. and the meeting, and now there are 37,000 people who apparently were in that meeting that we're just finding out about. I exaggerate to clarify, there were eight that we know of now, so we'll see if there's more. Yikes. Um, just, just get it out there, sir. Get it out there. Even Jonah Goldberg has said the benefit of the doubt is gone. And, you know, this is Jonah Goldberg's one of those people I, I totally support and love reading this stuff. And, and Tuesday he's he started on this this track. So. um everything's frozen. All the things we wanted to get done are not going to get done. And it's, it's just, it's mind numbing. So uh, there are other things we have to deal with. There are other stories we have to deal with. Like yesterday was Mac and cheese day. Did you know that? Which I have questions about why, why uh, the summer is Mac and cheese day. Cause there, I know, I know a lot of people like macaroni and cheese, but there's nothing like a fall day or a rainy spring day for macaroni and cheese. And uh, the people at uh, USA Today, otherwise known as USA Today to some of you, uh, USA Today had a story about the Coalition for Safer Food Processing and Packaging, which has come up and said um, that 30 different cheese products have um, some bad stuff in them, some chemicals that um, that are not good for us. And the one that's in the spotlight is Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. It's the, it's the go-to. It's the one you grab when you're saying, I just need a quick macaroni and cheese. And let's be honest, we all kind of jazz it up a little bit, to quote Chef Carl Ruiz. We kind of add our own cheese to it. But uh, this, this exposure to this chemical, which Kraft is denying using the chemicals, saying they don't add it to their products, 
even though um, the study from USA Today shows that there, there are trace elements of it. Kraft, Kraft says, no, we, we don't. Trace amounts that were reported in the limited study are more than a thousand times lower than the level that scientific authorities have identified as acceptable. So Kraft is saying they are within the guidelines. As a matter of fact, Kraft is saying they are way beneath it. But this coalition is out there saying, we found it. We found it in 30 cheese products. And apparently this, this, uh, this chemical is used to soften plastic and it's subsequently been removed from uh, baby's toys. And it says it altered lab animals' reproductive systems. Well, I hope they're putting it out in the food that they, they put in, in uh, rat poison. Because let, let's, let's, how about we use it for something smart? <laughs> how about we put it out in the bait that's out there for rats and traps so that if they get it and eat it and escape, that, that it's destroying their reproductive systems, if that in fact is the case. The CDC is agreeing with this. But um, this, this, um, this chemical can be found in hairsprays, raincoats, detergents, apparently flooring, but not meant to be in food. And um, I, I just, I just want to know why this report came out. Well, I guess we know why it came out. It came out intentionally on uh, National Macaroni and Cheese Day. So thank you, USA Today. I'm not sure about that one. I'm going to have to chase that one down a little bit. Um, there, there are a couple of other weird stories that I have to get to that we will get to, but I, I want to make sure we actually put on the list today that we all stop for a moment, uh, and say a prayer for Steve Scalise Thursday evening, Steve Scalise actually underwent another operation. I know he was taken out of the ICU and he was upgraded to fair condition at the MedStar Washington hospital center. Uh, but Thursday, they actually had to do another operation because um, he has a deep tissue infection related to the gunshot wounds that he suffered. And he had, when, when they tell you we are managing a deep tissue infection, uh, that means that's an infection that they're, they're trying like hell to beat. And it's given them a hard time. So you can only imagine what's going on in Steve Scalise. And I'm sure this is part of his his um, digestive tract that's causing the problem because it's not exactly the easiest place to, to keep um, free from infection. Let's just put it that way. So sometime today, spend a minute and, and say a prayer for, for Steve Scalise, the, the congressman who was shot at the, the baseball practice before the congressional baseball game. Uh, a couple of uh, interesting announcements. If you're a fan of this show and you're a fan of Shark Week and you're a fan of Sharknado. And who isn't a fan of Sharknado? Let's be honest. Who among us is not a, a Sharknado fan just for the schlock of it? Uh, I'm totally a fan. And uh, Sharknado 5, the global swarming is, is coming up in just a few short weeks. So as, as we're preparing for Sharknado 5, uh, I reached out to the guy who wrote Sharknado 5, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to announce that as we were 
coming back from break, uh, we received a, uh, a note. I received a note saying, I'm happy to join you. I'm absolutely happy to join you. Just let me know when. So with, with, a, um, with a happy, happy smile on my face, I'm looking forward to talking Sharknado with Scotty Mullen next week. So stay, you have to join us on Pure Opelka. It's the, it's the schlockiest movie series ever. And I love the fact that it's become a bit of a cult hit. So um, Sharknado 5, The Global Swarming, launches on uh, August 6th. And uh, Scott, Scotty Mullen, the, the author, the writer of Sharknado 5, will join us on, on The Blaze. Oh, thank God. Thank God for stupid stuff, right? If we didn't have stupid stuff, we, we'd all, I think, crumble. Um, also coming up today, uh, we are, we are going to, um, we're going to close the show with what we opened the show with the national anthem as it was heard at Walmart. And it's, um, it's, it's an important, important thing. So you have to be here. Uh, I received a note from one of you who is a faithful listener and I appreciate you for being out there earlier today. We talked about the, the terrible murder of the four young men in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, by uh, Mr. DiNardo, a guy who, who is troubled. And I neglected to mention that uh, Cosmo DiNardo, the admitted killer, has mental issues. And the, um, the initial arrest of, of Cosmo DiNardo was and, and he was arrested twice before they got him to uh, admit or confess to the crimes. The initial arrest of Cosmo DiNardo was because he had a gun and he should not have had a gun. He was in possession of a, I think it was a shotgun. I'm not exactly sure, but I know he was in possession of some kind of firearm. And they held him initially based on that because of his, his uh, mental issues he would not have been allowed to be in possession of that firearm. And that was the initial way they kind of held him. And um, uh, Dave, one of our, our loyal listeners in Pennsylvania, wrote, I'm not excusing Cosmo DiNardo, but are you aware that he suffers from schizophrenia? I did not know that was the actual diagnosis. I know that they had mentioned on several occasions that Cosmo DiNardo had had some uh, mental issues. Dave adds, uh, I have a high school friend who is a teacher in the area and knows all of the young men, including DiNardo. Oh my God, what a tragedy this is. And he, Dave adds, if this is true, he would not have been given the death penalty. Interesting sidebar, but the DA was telling us they took the death penalty off the table in negotiations with DiNardo uh, in order to get the confession. And then Dave asks a, a very great and, and wise question here. I wonder how a person with mental issues got a gun. Action News, which is the ABC affiliate here, reported the gun belonged to his mother. And if we remember, in, in Newtown, Pennsylvania, in that case, the gun also belonged to the mother of the killer. 
So great question. How did how did Cosmo DiNardo get his hands on a gun if he was a person with mental issues? And rest assured, uh, those of us who are Second Amendment supporters and Second Amendment uh, advocates, rest assured, if this is the case, if that gun was in the possession of Cosmo DiNardo because his mother had it and it was not secured, if the child was at, living at home with them, and he's an adult, not a child, if DiNardo was living at home with his parents and they knew he had mental issues, I guarantee you they're going to confiscate the weapons. And this, again, will be part of the push to make uh, all of us gun-free. And they're going to use any, any method they can to do that. I'm talking about the anti-gun lobby. So a, a lot of stuff swirling around this case in Bucks County. And, uh, yeah, I know there was some mental health issues involved in this case, Dave. Thank you for the clarity on it. I also think whenever anybody says the insanity defense, if we really boil it down, if we really step back and um, try and take a look at someone who murders another human being, can you make the argument that that person is sane? Can you actually say that someone who would take the life of another human being is sane? If, if you can't, and, and I question that, I don't think a sane person would do that. I think there's a certain amount of mental instability inside every person who takes the life of another human being. I'm just saying. Michael Pelka on Pure Pelka. When we get back, um, are we going to talk about the moon? Or are we going to talk about what celebrities did in their first jobs? I got some interesting takes on all of this. We'll, uh, we'll throw the story dart next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, I have to uh, issue an alert before I get into this story. If you are squeamish, uh, you may you may want to uh, step away for about 10 minutes if you're squeamish. All right. If you're not squeamish, you want to stick around because this one, this one, uh, we were just talking about Sharknado and how Sharknado is... Uh, is a sensation. I, I, I love me some Sharknado. It's the schlockiest film series uh, that, that I can remember. It harkens back to those series that came out during the, the late 60s or the late 50s, early 60s that had us uh, facing giant spiders, giant grasshoppers, anything because nuclear energy had had gotten into our, our system and was, was making women 50 feet tall and vegetables the size of a home and, uh, as I said, grasshoppers that could take over an entire city and climb skyscrapers. Um, that's what Sharknado reminds me of, the schlock of the schlockiest. And uh, that it, it's, it's a tongue-in-cheek film series that I think is absolutely just delightful. And totally harmless. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next week when we get the, the writer from, from Sharknado to join us. 
and see what the heck happens in uh, Sharknado 5, August 6th. <laughs> Global swarming. It can't get any cheesier. I'm going to support Sharknado, as a matter of fact, until uh, one of us gets in a Sharknado. We need to be cast somewhere in a Sharknado. I would love for Puro Pelka to be heard in Sharknado broadcasting as the shark's hit. It would be, I know, it's a, it's a strange dream. And I have a history of this. If you didn't know, I was involved in a trauma film a bazillion years ago. Troma, the people who gave us the Toxic Avenger, Surf Nazis Must Die, Tromeo and Juliet, a whole bunch of schlocky pictures. Well, uh, in the very early 90s, Troma Pictures made a, a movie, their first million-dollar movie. The rest of them were in the, in the tens of thousands of dollars, but they actually made a million-dollar movie called um, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. And it was pure schlock as well. It was a tongue-in-cheek, goofy film. And I, I'm, I'm in the movie. I absolutely get, um, I get slimed by, a, um, by this mythical creature that comes out when, when the movie. You can find it. It's on the internet. So a lot of you know about it. And maybe I'll tweet out a link to the scene from Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. But the, the moment when I get slimed and ultimately I thought I was killed, but I'm, I'm reassured by the, the owners of, of Troma Films, specifically Lloyd Kaufman. I, I was going to say the brains behind it, but I, I don't know if that's a, a correct assessment. Uh, Lloyd assured me that if you're killed by the slime of a giant mythical creature silkworm it's not necessarily guaranteed that you're never coming back you could morph into something else and boy are we off on a weird tangent but the the subject of slime brings up this next story that i said um there is uh there is cause to step away if you have a squeamish stomach and you are offended by things like slime eels slime eels did you know there was a product called slime eels, also known as the hagfish, that is uh, a, a delicacy or a, a much sought-after food source in Korea. Yeah, South Korea, not North Korea. But uh, yesterday, this mess in, in Oregon was created when um, 7,500 pounds of slime eels were released onto the highway, a big highway traveling uh, in, in Oregon on Highway 101. You would have known about this, this crash had you, had you heard. And I think, um, I think Vecca knows about this, Vecca Fitzfrancis. So we'll see if, if she's familiar with this. Traffic was stopped. Road construction was stopped. A truck driver was unable to stop. And the load of 7,500 pounds of slime eels were thrown into <laughs> the entire roadway. The containers flew across the highway. They spilled. It led to a chain reaction crash of other vehicles. 
There were minor injuries. Fortunately, nobody seriously hurt. But what happened next and and the mess and the story of the slime eels, well, I'm going to have to share it with you. I'm going to have to share the rest of the story. So you're going to have to come back. We'll get to slime eels, and of course we'll get to the uh, the first jobs of celebrities because those are important too. So if you're if you're disgusted by slimy stories, um, you might need to go have your breakfast. But if you want to hear what happened to these seven thousand five hundred pounds of slime eels, and and why you should never even touch one, I'll explain next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Blaze Radio Network. I do have a vital question coming up in minutes, but I have to finish talking about this story, the story that caught my eye, the story out of Oregon, where um, 7,500 pounds of slime eels were set loose after a chain reaction crash. Minor injuries, thank God. Thank God. But yesterday in in Oregon on, on Highway 101, this... This nasty crash let loose 7,500 pounds of slime eels, also known as hagfish. I didn't know about the hagfish. They were being uh, shipped to South Korea. So obviously they were headed to uh, either an airport or a port to be sent to South Korea. Now they were being uh, transported in, in containers not just filled with the slimy little fishies or and ice, but they were alive, wriggling. 7,500 pounds of them. And uh, when I'm first looking at the crash, I'm thinking, oh man, they must have been worried that those cars were going to catch on fire because they, they covered the cars in foam or some sort of protective slime. Uh, no, no, they didn't. Uh, the, the slime fish produces slime, hence the name. Uh, uh, according to Dr. Andrew Thaler, a deep-sea ecologist, uh, this is via the New York Times. Thank you, New York Times, for this delicious story. Um, a single hagfish can fill a five-gallon bucket with slime in what the doctor says is seemingly instantly they have been documented, according to the doctor, as being able to escape from sharks by choking them with the enormous amounts of slime. How does this happen? What, what kind of a creature is this slime fish? The, um, the doctor also described when the, Times, the New York Times reached out to Dr. Andrew Thaler, about this, uh, this crazy creature. He, he was asked, um, 
what what is the slime like? Describe the slime for us. Tell us about the slime. Again, 7,500 pounds of slime fish released on Highway 101, 100 miles outside of, I think, Portland, Oregon. The doctor described it as a semi-solid gel that is like Spider-Man's web crossed with a jellyfish. Anyone else creeped out right now? Anyone else creeped out? Remember, the doctor said a single one of these slime eels, a single one can fill a five-bucket gallon with a gallon of slime almost instantly. And it, can you imagine you're a shark, one of the one of the most fearful, feared predators in the ocean, and you come upon a slime fish? You're like, oh, here's a little eel for me to eat. Here's a slime eel. I'm going to munch down on this hagfish. And the shark opens up and the hagfish goes inside and chokes or nearly chokes the shark by producing enormous amounts of slime. And all I'm thinking is, why is this a delicacy in South Korea? I got to get Doc Thompson on the phone on this one. Doc Thompson has a great experience with with Korean cuisine. He's married to a Korean woman and, and uh, Yuna, his wife, who is a, a delight, a brilliant woman, uh, and also uh, has had her mother spend considerable time with them as, as the Thompson's family is increasing. And they eat a lot of Korean food. And I wonder if they've had hagfish. I wonder if they've had the sea, uh, what is this called? The, um, the slime fish? the hagfish, the sea, the slime eels. The doctor also said, if you come in contact with this fish and it gets on your clothes, you might as well just throw it out. Because um, what are you going to tell the dry cleaners, basically? The, I feel bad for the, the state troopers who had to encounter this. I'm going to tweet out a link to this. Uh, the, the slime fish has apparently been called the creature of your nightmares by the Smithsonian. There's a video from the Smithsonian that's out there. And um, by the way, the slime eels have their own, own day on the calendar. So maybe, maybe if we find out that this is a delicacy, maybe if we, if we find out that this is delicious, uh, that uh, the third Wednesday of October, which... <laughs> which is Hagfish Day, for those of you who didn't know, if you've never celebrated Hagfish Day. It's the third Wednesday of October, so set that aside. They call this the ugliest of the species. And uh, the people who are, who are behind um, Hagfish Day, which will be October 18th this year, just in case you were checking, um, they want people to look behind the exterior of the hagfish and appreciate how highly evolved they are. Um, I'm sorry, uh, you're not highly evolved if, if your, your biggest skill is, is that one of you can produce five gallons of slime in, in an instant. Now, I do give you credit for being able to escape from a shark's mouth by producing such slime, but that seems like kind of a limited skill a limited use skill you know you 
you're not exactly going to be able to apply that everywhere. The hagfish, the slime eel, 7,500 pounds of them set loose yesterday by a chain reaction on Highway 101 about a hundred miles west of Portland. And um, the warm weather, I know, don't get ahead of me, but they hosed them all off the highway, which means somewhere along Highway 101 are 7,500 pounds of writhing and soon-to-be-dead slime eels that are going to stink up the joint. If you want to know where the accident is, all you have to do is roll down the windows, everybody, and you'll figure it out. Wow. Um, I, I, as I said, I'll tweet out a link to it. You can see some of the pictures and some of the short video clips are uh, a little disgusting. So if you're a person who can't deal with slime eels or hagfish, um, you, you might want to avoid this next tweet. But really, what, what is underneath those, those waters? What is out there? What are people consuming? And, and why is this a gigantic delicacy in South Korea? These are the questions I have. I'm also wondering, though, the entrepreneur in me is wondering, what if we started a slime eel farm and then we found out that gel is good for something, whether it's a natural lubricant uh, you know, it might be good in cars. What is, its, uh, what is its sensitivity to temperature? Could it be a source of, of food and nutrition? Obviously, the eels happen to be. Otherwise, they wouldn't be transporting 7,500 pounds of them to South Korea. And is there a slime eel farm somewhere in America that we don't know about that someone is fast becoming a billionaire with their entrepreneurial spirit? And so I'm, I'm tweeting out this link and a asking all those questions at the same time. And maybe Doc Thompson knows, as we're going to ask him uh, if he's ever had them, ever dined on slime eels. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. Uh, he would know he's our connection to South Korea. Michael Pelka, I'm Puro Pelka. I'm, I'm going to step aside. When we get back, yes, I eventually will get to what I promised you, those those are first jobs of the, uh, of the famous folks. Yeah, we'll get to it. And I, I did post a, a vital question just a few minutes ago. And, and the vital question was inspired by our, our friend um, Donna, who frequent listener of this show and also to the Morning Blaze. Uh, and the vital question is, uh, in fact... Um, where do you stand on the Three Stooges? Are you a fan? Because apparently Donna is not. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the vital question of the day. We'll talk more about slime meals. Maybe Doc Thompson will ring in. And uh, celebrity first jobs just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, you never know what's going to unite us and what's going to make us all uh, crazy. And uh, to, today, to me, it, it might be one of two things. It, it might be slime eels and it might be the Three Stooges. But uh, for the moment, it appears to be slime eels or the hagfish. Jody in Tennessee is checking in. Jody, welcome to the program. Is it true? Can it really have happened? You've had these eels? I'm not sure if they're the same eels. I've had barbecue eel at a, a restaurant that's owned by a Chinese man and his wife's Korean. So I'm assuming probably they were. Have you seen them before they were cooked? Because the slime eel has a a um, particular look to it. It's, yeah, it's very I, unique. I, I did see uh, an episode of uh, Mike Rose Hard Works Job, or, you know, Hard Jobs. Dirty Jobs or whatever it was. Dirty Jobs, yeah, that's what it was. And he did actually one time work with slime eels, and that was beyond gross. So but yeah, I think the closest I've gotten to him. <laughs> I can't imagine 7,500 pounds of these oh, things. And if one of them sure. weighs a pound or two pounds, that's going to be heavy. So you yeah. you can imagine there's 3,000 of them, each capable of producing up to five gallons of slime at yeah, any given I to, time. Ooh. I had to turn my radio off while... Uh while you talked about that while I was eating breakfast. so All right, I'll stop yeah. talking about it for the moment. <laughs> no, but, it's okay. I didn't call in. So. <laughs> but, yeah, you did. So, But the, the question is, so you've eaten the slimiest, I, I, or you've eaten eel. I've had yeah. eel sushi. I think I've had yeah. eel sushi. That's, that's so, how I had it. It was barbecue eel on top of sushi. Yeah. Actually, quite mm. good. It does quite sound good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... It was the texture was firm. It was a lot less fishy than you would think. It really was not fishy at all. And um, in in moderate to small quantities, it's good. If you get too much, it's a little overwhelming. But uh, it, it tastes a lot like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I do like sushi, but, I you know, I'm... There's certain certain things I yeah. I don't want to eat in sushi. What's the what would you say is the most exotic food you've ever tasted? Oh goodness, I love octopus, and um, I I don't know. I've traveled a little outside of the country, but a lot of times I don't really always know what I'm eating. So. <laughs> it's, I, it's I've seen nice those um, those pictures from the markets in China. Mm-hmm. where they have like giant spiders that they've dipped in chocolate and then deep fat fried. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't know if I could eat that. I just I don't think I could either. And I, my friend who is from China says, he, he always is saying, we have to go tour China someday, my husband and I and his family. And he says, there's one restaurant, restaurant I'll take you to, but you can't eat there because they uh, it's perched over a river in China. And he said the, the bathrooms are actually upriver of the kitchen and they just open directly onto the river so basically well, you're going into the river and then the people in the kitchen are just fishing to catch your dinner out of the same water okay 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 now 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 so. you've topped the slime eel story <laughs> <Yeah>. now 
<laughs> Sorry to everybody still eating breakfast. Everybody but, enjoying your breakfast now as Jody yeah. from Tennessee is sharing the story of the Chinese Sorry. restaurant, which none of us should ever visit. Yeah. Oh, my he God. Said, he said, we go there, but you don't eat there. <laughs> you just have to see it to believe it. You can it. just have a beer. Just get something that you know has been at least brewed or boiled or fermented so nothing can be... <laughs> Nothing yeah, unhealthy no. <laughs> can be alive in there. Oh my God, Jody! Thank you, thank you for. You're sharing. very welcome, and I enjoy your show quite a bit. Uh, and uh, you have a really good day. Thank you. God bless you, and have a great day yourself. Ah, I love this audience. Not only are they smart and engaged, but they also have a wonderful sense of humor. You can join the conversation in the last hour. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. 888-900-3393. We will continue the, the discussion about uh, hagfish or slime eels, plus uh, my, my vital question of the day, which is now posted after Donna told us she didn't support the Three Stooges. <laughs> I had to ask everybody, where do you stand on the Three Stooges? And uh, I'm betting, I'm just betting that the the Stooges are going to win. Maybe, maybe not. I, I also think it's a gender thing. Seems to be more women dislike the Stooges than men. We'll be right back. No, no, no. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Third hour of Pure Opelka, a.k.a. the Jeff Fisher Show pre-show. Uh, Jeffy is uh, probably taking his uh, pre-show meditation and prayer break as he prepares to uh, take over the reins of the Blaze Radio Network starting at 9 a.m. today. And Jeff will lead you into noon in advance of the Lawrence Jones program, which is followed as well by Mike Slater and then Joe Pags. A busy day on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, I, I've been uh, pinging back and forth with some of you uh, on the Twitter during the, the news break, we were talking about this crazy, crazy story out of, out of Oregon where 7,500 pounds of hagfish, also known as the slime eel, were uh, dumped on the road in an accident, chain reaction accident. And that also led to some discussion back and forth with uh, folks on Twitter about and for for whatever reason, the Three Stooges and uh, Donna, who's who's a gigantic friend of this show and somebody I respect, was was letting us know that uh, that she's not a fan of the Three Stooges. And I know a lot of my sisters couldn't stand the Three Stooges. I think it might be a gender thing. It might be a male female thing. I happen to know Tom Bergeron. Yeah, Dancing with the Star Bergeron. We go way back to the early days of FX and Fox after breakfast. Tom is a gigantic Stooges fan. You might even say a student of the Stooges. And Tom's a smart guy. 
So when somebody as smart as Tom Bergeron tells me they're a, a huge fan of the Three Stooges, I want to know where you stand. And currently, 68% of you say the Stooges are funny. 15% say no, 3% can't decide, and I've lumped in an additional 14% who say, yes, they're funny, but not the bad Curly's, like Curly Joe and Joe Dorita. I could even take Shemp. And I, I, I've been someone who, who appreciates the Stooges but doesn't obsess on the Stooges until I attended StoogeCon 2016 in Pennsylvania. I attended a Three Stooges festival, and uh, and I, I found it to be really interesting. It was predominantly male, and I walked around and asked them all, who's your favorite Stooge? And, and we got uh, myriad answers, but Curly seems to have been everyone, the, the hands-down favorite. So uh, take, the, take the vital question poll today. It's not exactly a question that's going to change anyone's political opinion or or lessen, lessen the, uh, the tension in the country today. Chef Carl Ruiz has replied to my question about the slime eels. And I said, why, why, uh, why is this a delicacy in, uh, in South Korea? Why, why was someone exporting 7,500 pounds of these hagfish slime eels out of America to South Korea, because you would think they'd have ample supplies of them there. I guess not. And the chef replied, uh, first of all, oh, hagfish, ooh. <laughs> well said, sir. Well said. And then I asked him, why do people eat them? And he said, well, the main reason is that they are used for their slime. Now, we learned from the New York Times reporting on the hagfish, which I tweeted out a link to just recently, that the, the, an individual slime fish can produce up to five gallons of, of this slime almost instantly. And Carl says that they are used, this slime is used as a thickening agent for a lot of Korean recipes, a cheap and efficient substitute for egg whites. Wow. That's, uh, that's kind of fascinating. So instead of egg whites, um, they're going to be using the slime from the hagfish. I'll, I'll post Carl's, uh, Carl's uh, notice on there. And uh, I appreciate you, Carl, for being in. I know he's, he's a busy guy. Restaurateurs never, never uh, stop working. Uh, back to the Three Stooges question. Mark in Maryland is checking in this morning. Mark, where are you on the Stooges? Look at the grouse. Look at the grouse. Yes, I'm very much for the Stooges, especially Curly. Yeah, and Curly. my wife, after 40-some years, I've got her indoctrinated. See, I think it takes a while. And what I found in my survey of, of people on the, the favorite stooge, um, the women seem to like Larry. And maybe, maybe there's something there. But uh, I, should, I should find that. Somewhere on the blaze, uh, we, did a, we did a survey. If I can find it, we'll pull it up and play it for you. 
But yeah, there, we actually attended the Stooge Stooge Fest. But in in your appreciation of Curly, you're talking about the original Curly. Yes, definitely the original Curly, and uh, and plus, you know, we can't forget about Shemp. You can't. See, I, we can't leave him over there all by himself. No, I I'm a fan of Shemp as well. Um, Shemp was uh, somebody who I didn't appreciate initially. And and I late in late in life, I, I suddenly learned that Shemp had had some uh, some good points that we needed to pay attention to. So uh, yeah, I I can I can go with that. But yeah, and and now where are you on the eel thing? Have you ever seen a slime eel? Have you ever tasted a slime eel? Never tasted it. I've seen them. Uh, they're hagfish. Uh, there's living proof that hagfish exist. If you look at Capitol Hill and some of the individuals who are up there working and running off at the mouth. Well, I think they're capable of producing even more slime than we've seen uh, <laughs> out of the uh, out of the slime eels. I'm just saying it's just a personal opinion. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Always a pleasure, sir. And just for that, I'm not going to play the Hillary Clinton soundbite that I had because I know it it drives your household crazy. So. You'll get a pass today on that one. And there he goes. Um, we, we've been talking about myriad topics today. Um, I mentioned something earlier when we were talking about slime fish and uh, when I got slimed in a movie uh, because we, we were discussing the fact that the good news is the writer of Sharknado 5 is going to join us uh, sometime next week, I believe. On, on the day weekday daytime edition of Pure Opelka, the noon to three edition, because we're we're now just weeks away from Sharknado Five, the global swarming from hitting theaters and uh, hitting what is it the Sci-Fi Channel, and so we'll be able we'll be able to get um, a writer's perspective on this this fantastic bit of schlock cinema, and maybe get some spoilers that will leak out on this. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of cheesy movies. I think there's there's hope for the world when there's cheesy movies out there, and it's a distraction from all the other stuff we're dealing with. So uh, the Sharknado thing brought up a reminder that years ago, in my unsupervised decades, um, I also appeared in a schlock movie known as um, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. And some of you have found it. Some of you have said, oh, my God, he's in this dumb movie. And uh, I, I, will, I will tweet out a link for you to the scene where um, I get slimed, basically. If, if you want to understand what's going on, you can see everything that happens. Um, it, it, there's no excuse for this to still exist out there. And yet it does. So I'll tweet out a link to it, and if you want to see me personally embarrass myself, uh, Mario Joyner and I, I don't know if you remember Mario Joyner from uh, MTV days. Mario Joyner was a, a comic. He still probably still is a comic. But uh, Mario, Mario got shot, and I got slimed, and the movie was a uh, resounding success for the people at Troma Pictures. I'm just saying. So we will, uh, we will share the link with you. I'm going to step aside for a break. When we come back, 
there has been, as we discussed um, earlier in the show, much, much hand-wringing and uh, much concern over the Don Trump Jr. meeting with the Russians, which we now believe is at least eight people were in that room. But did anything illegal happen? Did anything happen in that room that was illegal? Well, there's somebody who's not exactly been a Trump supporter who weighs in on it. And Donald Trump's lawyer has weighed in on it. So we will hear from two legal minds that I think are very different in their in their scope. And I I'm I'm fascinated to hear why they agree on this. And we'll share that with you just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Stepping away from the weird news as we've been covering the uh, <laughs> the slime eel dumping in, in Oregon and my question about the Three Stooges this morning. And I did, I did tweet out a link to me getting slimed on the set of uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD, back in the unsupervised days of my life when I took part in things like this, questionable enterprises like this. There are many others. So don't think you found uh, the only dumb thing I've ever done in terms of entertainment. There are many more out there and we'll share them with you as need be, as the need arises. We're talking about this situation though. This ongoing story, this, this continuing saga now, a week old of Donald Trump Jr. meeting with uh, a Russian representative, a lawyer who was tied to the Russian government, but also in the meeting, we're now learning there were other people there, a lobbyist who formerly had a, um, a connection to Russian intelligence. At least that's the story we're being told, and who the hell can know what the story really is? It's very confusing and very frustrating, and I think the biggest frustration in all of this is what it does to the GOP and any efforts to try and shut down the Democrats and move forward with a a freedom-loving, constitution-based agenda, one that's going to get the pianos off our back that we've had for eight years under Obama and Democrats. So with all those high hopes, now it seems like someone has pushed this big fat pause button and we're not going to get any movement on health care and tax reform, and God knows what else. The only thing the president will be able to do is via executive orders, and that's the thing we were critical of Obama for for so many years. So yesterday, Jeffrey Tubin and Jay Sekulow were making the rounds on, uh, on, on the news channels. Jay Sekulow is now working for President Trump. Jay Sekulow is a guy that we have respected for years and years and years on issues of freedom and transparency, etc. 
Jay Sekulow is a guy I remember we were talking to when the IRS was targeting conservatives. And he was a guy who was, who was all about protecting our rights and following the Constitution. And so when Jay Sekulow speaks on something, uh, I tend to respect him. And he was talking about the situation with Don Jr., which now as it enters, as I said, uh, the second week will start tomorrow. This is day seven of this. And we've had no fewer than four different stories out of the administration about it. And the number of people involved in it grows almost daily, and it starts to undermine your confidence in the administration. And certainly, certainly takes away from the attention you're supposed to place on moving your agenda forward. But here is Jay Sekulow talking about the law and the Don Jr. problem. You look at the situation, and as the lawyer here, you look at the situation, I'm saying, I understand that it's getting a lot of attention, obviously, but the question is, what law has been violated here or might be violated here? And you've had a number of experts on CNN. I was on uh, the other night with uh, Jake Tapper, who did that special, and, and um, Jonathan Turley was on. I think even Jeff Tubin was on. And everybody agreed that there's not a legal violation that, with the meeting. So I go back to what I said initially. They left. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. puts out the email, the whole chain of email events, and then the question still is, the meeting takes place, no exchange of information. The, the Russian-American that you talked about, the lobbyist, has said that. Uh, Natalia, in an interview I guess she gave in Moscow, said it. Donald Trump Jr. has said it. So the people that were there said it, that nothing transpired. So, so at the end of the day, you always look at what the statute is. Sure, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Go ahead. No, no. I, I get the, the legal argument, and you're, you're a lawyer. I'm not. Yeah. And we have, as you said, had a lot of uh, legal people on. I mean, some, some had said, you know, maybe a stretch, but some lawyer could make it a legal argument. But most, as you're right, have said they don't think there's anything there. They're based on what we, now, yeah. what we know currently. Who knows what we may learn down the road. And that's the great point made by Anderson Cooper. Who knows what me, we may learn down the road? Who knows what we don't know. Isn't that a great answer? Who knows what we don't know? But Jay Sekulow out there saying that based on what we know, no law has been violated based on what we know. Jeffrey Tubin, a guy who's been very critical of President Trump, a guy on CNN who gets a whole lot of airtime and is given a whole lot of credibility by CNN. Jeffrey Tubin also seems to support what Jay Sekulow is saying. Well, well, I think what's interesting is how the, the subject matter has changed. You know, for, for months, the, uh, the president and everyone involved in the campaign was saying, this whole subject is ridiculous. There were no contacts between our campaign and the Russians. It just, the, the whole thing is fake news, didn't happen. Now, of course, we know this meeting took place. Now it's no illegality. Exactly. Now, now Jay is saying quite quite properly as an attorney, saying there, there is no illegality. He may be right, he may be wrong, but you know, the, 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 they are moving the defense lines back. And you know, we'll see if there's no illegality. It is true that you know, it, it is not 100% clear that there's any illegality at this point, but the facts are gonna determine whether there's any illegality. But the facts are gonna determine whether there's any illegality. There's so much wiggle room on this that I feel like I've got another truckload of, of slime eels being dumped. It's, it's just so frustrating and irritating. 
And I go back to Seculo, and he, he does seem to be saying something along the lines of, well, he bought drugs from somebody, but it turned out to be oregano, so he really wasn't guilty of anything. Yeah, but it's certainly questionable behavior. And now there's the question swirling around what was in the folder that may or may not have been handed over to someone in that room by the Russians, by one of the Russians. I, I, think, it's, uh, I think it's just... It's just such a mess, and we need the answers. Uh, You're not going to be able to get your agenda driven forward unless and until you get the answers out there. And all this is so damn frustrating. This is this is creating the the tension. And you you heard the call that Glenn Beck played the other day on his radio show. The call from the guy who was um, on Washington's Mall, WMAL a great radio station out of D.C. You heard the call. He played it for Bill O'Reilly. We, we heard just how troubled people are. We know how troubled people are. But you're not going to be able to help people get jobs. You're not going to be able to help people get tax reform and, and get the stuff that they need if you don't get all this crap off the table. Get the crap off the table. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with getting things done. I'm stepping aside. When we come back, I need your help with something. Well, there's a bunch of families that need our help. You'll find out what I'm talking about next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. This is uh, the last half hour of the show this morning. Don't forget this show also follows Glenn Beck Monday through Friday from noon to three Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You can also get get updates if you go to theblaze.com and you subscribe to my channel. It's right there at at the top under the channel area. Um, I'm waiting on a call from a a gentleman that we want to help out who's uh, trying to help the families of the people who were um, affected by the crash this week of the the C-130, the refueling aircraft, the horrific situation that happened earlier in the week. And um, uh, I'm I'm just you never know what to say because you, you can't ever thank the men and women who served this nation voluntarily enough. And when a tragedy happens, I think it's important for us to to rally behind not just uh, the military, but the specific families. So uh, a good friend of mine sent me a note this morning from a gentleman named Steve Reichert. I think that's how he pronounced his last name. And uh, he's joining us now on the phone from somewhere in America because we've got him on his cell phone. Steve, welcome to Puro Palka. We've never met, but uh, I hope... I hope we can help. I think we have a lot in common here, sir. Yeah, and no, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I mean, there's been a lot going on this past week. Uh, 
since the bird went down. I mean, what a lot of people don't know is, unfortunately, uh, you remember the Blackhawk crash March 10th, uh, 2015. Yep. This is the same team that's affected. So the Marine Special Operations teams are only 12 to 14 in the size. So half the team was lost in uh, March of 2015. They rebuilt, redeployed, and uh, half the team was lost this past week. So it's hurting the community a lot. Um what I've been doing in the 501c3 that we supported been doing is just uh, the things the government can't do at this point, you know, like moving immediate family members to uh, you know, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina area, back to their other home states in New York, um, grandmas, aunts, uncles, you know, it, it costs a lot. Luckily, uh, we've got a few good people out there that are donating planes and aircraft so we can you know, get the people that are, you know, grieving back to their families without having to go through TSA and three different hops and, uh, you know, just make their life a little bit easier. But doing all this stuff um, is not free. So our funds are getting depleted at the cyclic rate. And, uh, we want to continue to provide as much support to the families as we can, but we can't help them without the help of guys like you and those listening on the radio today. Well, Steve, uh, the the organization you're talking about, I want to introduce our audience to it. It's called BrothersInArmsFoundation.org, BrothersInArmsFoundation.org. It's it's a new organization to me. I do a lot of work with different wounded warrior organizations and just with veterans charities as a a whole. So you're new to us, sir. Um, I I hope we can help. Uh, I want to tell everybody if you want to if you want to help with this, uh, this next phase in the lives of the families who have been so devastated by the loss of, of the men and women who volunteer to keep us safe. You need to go to Brothers in Arms, uh, brothersinarmsfoundation.org, brothersinarmsfoundation.org. You're not, a new, you're not a new organization, but you're not an old organization either. You're, uh, yeah, I, mean, not, we, I guess we've got the, uh, we're, we're, we're quiet in the shadows until the time of need at that point, you know, we, hit the ground running so we're not a major one that's a household name but we do support the special operations community on the marine side uh, you know 100 percent. so i appreciate you taking the time this morning to get the word out uh, yeah you know, even a dollar helps i mean i know most people they want to make a meaningful contribution but seriously if the, the people within our networks just took the time you know all of two minutes to move a dollar uh, we can do a lot with it well, I, I'm, I just, um, I just turned a uh, a major milestone on my life odometer, and made a decision to do more, uh, not not exactly tithing, but more contribution to, to causes like this that don't get the love and support. So I'll kick it off. Uh, I'll yeah, throw a hundred bucks your way. But yeah, if anybody else can the, find. Uh, on the way to the airport now to pick up one of the lost family members and uh, bring him home. Well, your your service uh, before this was appreciated because I'm I'm assuming you were in the Marines. Am I correct? Yeah, no, I'm a retired jarhead myself. Well, I know you, you never leave the service, yeah. and your your continuing service is appreciated. Uh, I, Steve, if if we can ever be of assistance. You know that that my megaphone is open uh, to you and and your organization and and please you you have my contact number 
Uh, yep. I'll, I'll send you my cell phone. Please reach out anytime we can be of help. We would love to be yeah, there Yeah, hopefully for you. I don't have to make that phone call, but, uh, you know, the world well, that we live in these days uh, probably reach out to you in a few years. <laughs> well, we need, we know we need to deal with this one, and this one's not a small, a small challenge. This is a big challenge right. because the loss of life was so great. So uh, we're, we're happy to get the word out. Brothersinarmsfoundation.org, brothersinarmsfoundation.org. Go there if you can spare a buck or five bucks or whatever. Um, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to give our airtime to you. God bless you, and, and give those families hugs for us, sir. Uh, thank you, sir. Have a good day. You too. I, w I will post a video from Steve uh, so you can see it. I will also post a link to what Steve's up to so you can you can hear him explain it. Sometimes cell phones don't exactly uh, do the job. Sometimes cell phones are, are a little difficult to hear. But if you saw the crash and the aftermath and the massive de debris field and you understood what, um, what happens to the, the families in a military community when, when something like this happens, when, when one loss of life happens, it's devastating on a community when an entire crew from a plane is lost. It's, it's a, a massive blow to that community. So uh, I'm happy to help. I'm very appreciative of the people who um, are constantly letting us know about these organizations. And uh, I have a good friend who just this morning sent me this notice. So uh, the brothersinarmsfoundation.org they are the ones who are trying to help put together the families after the devastating crash that happened this week with the C-130 going down. Um, there's, there's only one answer, and that's uh, we can pray for them, and we can also help them if, we've, if we have the goods. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that because I can, if you can too. If not, spread the word. I'll tweet out a link to it. And, and maybe you can help. I'm going to step aside early because I got I to gotta put together the wrap-up, and I also want to get the tweets out on this one. I know I didn't get to the um, celebrities with the, uh, their first jobs. That'll wait. It's more important that we take care of, we take care of people like um, the ones that Steve Reichert has taken care of. Let, let me leave you with Steve's message. Hey folks, most of you guys have saw in the news that a uh, C-130 like the one behind me went down earlier this week in Mississippi and unfortunately we lost 16 great Marines. I've been busy since then helping the Brothers in Arms Foundation move families back into the Camp Lejeune, North Carolina area and also raise funds. There's a lot of logistical things going on in the background that most people don't see. Uh, putting families up in hotels, moving them to and from rental cars, I mean the list goes on and on. So if I could drive you guys over to the brothersinarmsfoundation.org and do what you can to make a contribution, make their lives a little bit easier, and allow us to continue supporting them. Thanks. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. 
You know, it started out slowly this morning. I thought there was going to be uh, just not too much to talk about, aside from the controversy surrounding surrounding the uh, Trump meeting. Uh, And I've got a couple things I want to get to, but I see Greg is on the phone, one of our truck driving friends. Greg, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, I was wondering, you like schlocky movies. Have you ever seen the schlockiest schlocky movie ever made? It's the John Landis masterpiece called Schlock. You know, I have not. And now... Okay, look it up, get a copy. Um, There's a inside Hollywood joke that... There's a sign that says, see you next Wednesday. Oh, oh, oh. All kinds of movies. And this is where it started, was in this movie. It was the first movie John Landis ever made. And see you next Wednesday was his college project that never got made. And so it's in things like Thriller. It showed up on the mark, uh, the matinee. Um, It's been in things like Trading Places. You know, with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and it shows up everywhere. Just look up See You Next Wednesday sometime. And I you'll will see all abs- the different places it shows up. But the movie Schlock. Schlock, it's and it's John find, Landis. You can get a copy of it. It's, it's an I'm on the case. Bigfoot-type creatures. S-C-H-L-O-C. I'm on the case. I, I got I to run, brother. I'm running short on time, and I got to take care of a couple things. But thank you. I love our truck drivers. Our truck drivers rock. Thank you, Greg. Uh, And thank all of you who joined the conversation today. As you know, Jeff Fisher is waiting in the wings. The one and only Jeff Fisher program follows this show. I do I do appreciate so much all of the all of the sharing that is done on this program, all of the information sharing that we do, and uh, we we got to the story of the Brothers in Arms Foundation dot org because of the sharing on the show. So thank you for that. Uh, we we also talked earlier about the show Live PD that I'm obsessed with right now, and I, I do watch it on um, on the A and E channel. And somebody wrote, "Why do you watch it? Why you know?" Yeah, there was one scene last week that was really crazy. Here's here's a sample of why I watch. Why just a a short snippet will tell you why you tune in because you never know what's going to happen. We got a report of a possibly Hispanic male subject walking in the emergency lane going northbound on the side of the interstate and supposedly he is naked uh got it he's going to be cactus northbound gorpoint and and they uh then show you live the entire encounter with this man uh it live pd i'm i'm glad it's gotten renewed for a second season we're trying to get them to join us to give a little plug to it sounds like they may not need it Sounds like uh, they're doing just fine on their own without us, but you never know. Also on today's show, in addition to asking you to maybe help out with the, uh, the putting the families together and help, help get those families who lost loved ones through their, their grief after the crash in Mississippi of the C-130 and the 16 Marines who are gone, uh, we, we played something kind of inspirational that happened at a a Walmart store in Missouri. And at the risk of mispronouncing the name of the city, Osage Beach, Missouri, uh, a gentleman from Cleveland happened to be in the store. And he was over in the, the aisle where the American flags are on sale. 
and he started singing the, uh, the national anthem in the aisle. And he, he works on the weekends as a, a singer. Uh, he, he is a wedding singer type guy. He's also a, a guy who works uh, in his church and, and happens to work, uh, well, he's a hard-working Clevelandite, a Clevelander, I guess, as we would call them. But um, the manager of the store heard him singing in the aisle and said, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. And he handed him the store intercom in the Walmart. And then this wonderful magic happened. Attention, Walmart shoppers. Wait, before we let him go, I need everybody that can to stand up and take off your hats and put your hand over your heart. Oh, see, can you see by the dawn's early light What so proudly we hear at the twilight's last week Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watch were so gallantly performance James Fruits the man who sang that song received a $10 gift card to Walmart and they gave him what's known as a hero's cape a Walmart hero's cape on a day like today at the end of a week like we've had I think that's just about perfect don't you yeah oh by the way there's an easter egg you're going to want to listen to it there's some cool t-shirts available. Download, share, Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Hey, 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 hey. Thank you for downloading the show and sharing it with your friends. Thank you so much. A reminder of some of the great things we did this week, one of which has to do with uh, Brothers in Arms Foundation. Brothersinarmsfoundation.org, if you can help, do so. I also, um, I also have something. I spent some money with uh, Ernesto's charity this week. I bought some of the handmade T-shirts. So uh, I will unload two of those on two lucky winners. People can answer the question. The question is, what was the name of the trauma movie I appeared in? What was the name of the trauma picture I appeared in? You can send your answer to me, Mike Opelka. That's at M-O-P-E-L-K-A at theblaze.com. M-O-P-E-L-K-A at theblaze.com. Get them to me by Wednesday. All right, Thursday. And out of all the correct answers, I will select two lucky winners. And you'll get that uh, very different 
shirt from Ernesto. Each one is handmade, so they're all a little bit different. And they support some of the troops who are back and having a hard time. So you know your money's going to a good cause. So do that, fill it out, send it to me, M-O-P-E-L-K-A at theblaze.com, and we'll see you next week. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Thank you.